Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series, Clear Skies Ahead, conversations about careers in meteorology and beyond. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Rex Herbst Horner, and we'll be your hosts. We're excited to give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We're happy to introduce today's guest, Larry Gleckler. He's a principal data engineer at the Demix Group in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Larry. Thanks very much for joining us. And thank you for having me. Larry, could you tell us a little bit about your educational background and what sparked your interest in atmospheric science? Sure. So um, maybe I'll start with what sparked my interest. So um, I think like most uh, meteorologists, um, the interest was sparked at a very young age. Uh, For me, it was the blizzard of 1993. Um, I was living uh, outside of Albany, New York at the time, and I was three or four years old. Um, That was a very memorable storm uh, because, you know, it was, uh, it produced snow that um, ended up piling up uh, deeper than I was tall at the time. Um, And I have pictures of me uh, at a at that young age, standing next to a snowbank, and um, you know, looking as if I could have just gotten buried. Um, it was really a pretty amazing uh, experience for somebody so young, and um, that is really kind of what got me going down this path. Um, since that point, I've been very interested in all sorts of uh, severe and extreme weather events. Uh, from snow to thunderstorms um, to heat waves and cold air outbreaks. And um, over time, my interest in those events has kind of morphed into also how they apply to, you know, businesses and, you know, just kind of our day-to-day lives. So um, that is kind of what got me started down my educational career path, um, I received a bachelor's, master's, and PhD in atmospheric science from uh, SUNY Albany. So went to school very close to home. Was lucky that I had such a good uh, program nearby. And I think that uh, that really set me up for, you know, what has so far been a very interesting and rewarding career, um, albeit a very young one at this point. Yeah, I'm sure you get a lot of snow in Albany. You you, you got your fill from yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Yeah, and um, and now you know being in in Philly um, and soon in DC, you know we don't experience nearly as much in the way of snow as you know, I, I was used to experiencing in upstate New York. But um, but when it does snow down here, it feels a little more special because it doesn't happen as often. So. So you're an applied meteorologist. Yes. Which means you're taking your knowledge of weather processes and applying them to other areas, energy, agriculture, supply chain. Is that a fair definition of what an applied meteorologist is for those that might not be as clear as how that's different from a forecaster or another person in the weather field? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that it is. Um, I take my kind of domain expertise in meteorology and apply it to um, 
you know, other industries. So, you know, prior to working at the Demex Group, I worked at a company called Risk Pulse, which became Everstream Analytics. Um, and that was really more of a supply chain risk management solutions um, software company. Uh, so, you know, my role there was to apply my background in, in meteorology to supply chain risks um, and, and help customers understand, you know, how their supply chains were affected by extreme and hazardous weather, you know, their supply chain and business sensitivities to extreme and hazardous weather and also to, you know, our changing climate. So when I was in high school, I don't think I knew too much about what a supply chain was. Where did you acquire this focus in applied meteorology from your initial interest in weather from that blizzard that you experienced? For instance, in, in high school, were you a science guy? Were you looking for weather at that point? When you went into college, when did you reach this applied meteorology side of things? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I was in high school and I had come to the conclusion that I wanted to go to uh, college to pursue a degree in meteorology, um, I thought that, you know, what I ultimately wanted to do with that was be on TV. And when I got to UAlbany, um, I, you know, learned about other career paths in meteorology. National Weather Service was one of them. I interned um, at the National Weather Service um, office in Albany, which happened to also be attached to the UAlbany campus. Um, and, uh, and then when I was, uh, I think between my junior and, and senior year as an undergraduate, I was connected with a uh, former uh, UAlbany graduate student who was working at a, um, an energy company in Chicago. Um, that was Chesapeake Energy. Um, and I learned that, you know, there was another kind of path that I hadn't really considered that I could pursue in energy and commodities, kind of, you know, a bit more, uh, a bit more, you know, kind of private sector oriented. And I went out to Chicago the following summer, this was summer of 2011, and spent a few months out there interning at their uh, weather office and uh, found that I really liked it. You know, it's just kind of, it was just kind of trying a bunch of different things, um, realizing that some things I didn't like as much as I thought I would and other things that I didn't really know about until I had an opportunity to try them out. I really liked. So that was, you know, kind of how my thinking evolved and um, and kind of what got me started down this path as an applied meteorologist. Did you ever do any internships as, a, you know, in broadcast meteorology? And, or did you just decide that might not be for me just naturally? So I did. I did intern at uh, a, a TV station in Albany, um, during the summer of 2010. And um, what I learned during that internship is it just wasn't really for me. You know, I, I liked the people I, I worked with, um, but, you know, the career kind of opportunities 
in broadcast meteorology, you know, kind of growth opportunities to me just didn't seem like they quite aligned with what I what I had in my mind. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a good experience um, in that it it helped me understand that that wasn't really what I ultimately wanted to pursue. Yeah, you didn't want to wake up at three in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I was doing that pretty much every day. And I even, I think one time, uh, accidentally overslept and, uh, you know, re- realized um, that I had m- completely missed the morning program when I woke up at like 7.30 that morning. <laughs> so um, that was definitely uh, a caution flag. <laughs> so you were finishing with Chesapeake Energy uh, while you were still a student as an undergrad, correct? Yes. And then I know you went into a master's degree and then even beyond that. So how did you make the decision that you wanted to pursue a higher degree above the undergraduate at that point when you kind of opened up to seeing this applied weather world? Yeah, so so actually my internship at Chesapeake Energy uh, happened during the summer between my undergraduate and graduate, you know, kind of ending undergrad, beginning grad school. Um, what got me to decide to go to grad school um, really it was you know multiple conversations over a over an extended period of time with many of my professors and mentors and you know I felt as if um, I wasn't quite ready to finish school yet and I more you know, to learn it was m- more to learn um, also perhaps not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do yet so it gave me a little bit more of an opportunity to figure that out and explore you know it was I, again I was lucky that there were there was an opportunity for me at uh, U Albany and um, you know I uh, ended up kind of just falling into that opportunity and um, it really paid off, I think, for me, you know, just allowing me to you know, kind of figure out what it is I really wanted to focus on and, you know, gave me opportunities to not only um, kind of develop my research skills, uh, but also, you know, kind of connect with people in industry and explore some opportunities as a consultant um, and, you know, kind of got me to where I am today, I think, as a result of, of all of that. So so what would you call your first job in the field outside of school? I know internships are jobs too, so not at all discrediting that that was a valuable experience as well. Yeah, so I, um, I actually would say that my first job was, was a part-time role that I held um, while I was a graduate student. Um, I... Uh, during during my early grad school days, um, I had the opportunity to intern at a startup called Earth Risk Technologies uh, based in San Diego. Um, thankfully, it was a remote in- internship, so I didn't have to you know relocate to San Diego for for a summer, although I think that would have been pretty nice. Yeah, um, I was going to say, you probably wouldn't have hated that. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I would have. So you're an old school remote worker. Yeah, I, I am an old school remote worker. Pro- yeah, perhaps perhaps uh, during the kind of starting days or the, the origin days of remote work. But uh, 
but yeah, that's um, that that allowed me to then kind of transition into a consulting role um, and you know kind of be a part time research advisor and consultant for that that startup. Um, so this was in 2013 that I started that, um, and then uh, that just kind of carried me all the way through the end of grad school. So, you know, I was doing, you know, maybe eight to 10 hours a week um, as, a, as a consultant um, on top of the, the research that I was doing. So, uh, you know, the, the amount of time I put into it varied, but, um, but that kind of allowed me to build my network um, outside of academia while I was uh, a student it helped me kind of build a, a, a good rapport with uh, a number of um, you know a number of my colleagues and ultimately someone who would become my manager um, at Risk Pulse. Now, Risk Pulse um, was established through a through a merger of of Earth Risk Technologies and another company called uh, Storm Pulse. And when that merger occurred, Risk Pulse became much more supply chain focused. Earth risk was more energy and commodities focused. So that's kind of how I went from energy and commodities over to the supply chain. Um, and then, you know, from there into a full-time role um, as, as an analyst um, at uh, Risk Pulse. So did you have to pick up some economics knowledge along the way? Did you take classes in, in economics or things like that? I didn't take any classes in that. It just... Those are the kinds of things that I had to kind of learn on the job. Right. So, um, yeah, so that that's really, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, maybe an unsolicited piece of advice I would give to, um, to people looking to, you know, make a move into a, an industry or private sector career in meteorology is, um, you know, consider taking some courses um, outside of kind of the core meteorology um, course set. And, um, you know, if you have the opportunity, you know, perhaps consider um, minoring in something outside of meteorology. If you have the opportunity to pursue, you know, uh, uh, courses outside of meteorology in graduate school, and it doesn't interfere with your research, um, I would suggest that as well. Ultimately, um, I think, you know, you will still have to learn things on the job. Um, that will still be, you know, a requirement. That's the hard fact of life. Yeah, of course. But, but having that foundation, um, that, that the kind of the foundational knowledge going into, um, you know, a career in, in supply chain risk management or, um, in, in, you know, climate risk management or energy or commodities or whatever it might be, you know, it certainly makes things a lot easier. So now you have recently started at the Demax Group, which I think is um, a bit different than what, what you're used to. So um, for our listeners out there, could you give us an idea of what your duties and responsibilities are now and how, how you spend your day? Yeah, so my... My day is spent largely in our code base, <laughs> uh, you know, writing code, um, you know, 
managing our data pipeline. Um, so, you know, it really, for me, starts from acquiring a new data set um, and then, you know, ingesting that new data set uh, in, into our um kind of local data repository and then, you know, connecting or wiring that data up to our various products. Um, so that requires, uh, you know, code knowledge, um, you know, kind of knowledge of the data set itself and kind of how it's structured. Um, but it also requires good communication skills, um, you know, communicating not only with colleagues about what we want to do with that data ultimately, but communicating with our data providers, uh, our customers to understand what they, you know, would like us to do with that data for them. Um, so, you know, I think that um, in addition to kind of more of those hard skills that, that you pick up uh, as a student, you know, when it comes to things like programming or, or you know, analyzing data, Communication is also a really important uh, skill <laughs> to develop and master. Um, it, it comes, it comes in handy in pretty much any role uh, that that you you know might uh, might be considering. So, did you take a lot of courses in programming and and um, in computers and in machine learning when you were in school? Did you have a really good background in that? Um, a lot of the a lot of the uh, skills that I developed in programming were kind of self-taught. Um, I did have I did take some classes um, uh, in terms of um, you know data analysis, machine learning. That's pretty much all self-taught. My first programming language um, was MATLAB, um, and then moved over to Python. Um, you know, kind of when uh, a lot of researchers in, in meteorology were starting to adopt Python um, as a scientific computing language. Um, and again, both of those, you know, kind of the, the, the knowledge that I built up, um, you know, when using both of those, those languages, it was largely self-taught. Do you have any favorite sites or um, ways that you were able to, to learn that yourself? Um, you know, I, I tell I tell a lot of people that um, you have to be good at using Google <laughs> to figure <laughs> out kind of you know how to troubleshoot and um, you know uh, how to how to look up documentation. Um, Stack Overflow is a really great um, you know resource out there for programmers. Um, so a number of times, you know, whatever I was googling kind of led me to to that, that particular resource. But, um, you know, you, you just, I think have to be, you have to be good at kind of doing, you know, your own, um, your own kind of research, um, you know, when it comes to working with, uh, the, these programming languages and, and troubleshooting, um, there are also a lot of really great resources like on YouTube. Um, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, free kind of, you know, courses or, or lectures out there um, that, that you can come across. Um, so there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really great information, perhaps a little overwhelming because there's so much of it, but um, right. 
But, you know, all of those resources I have used at some point or another. So I understand you're now working, let's say, behind the curtain with Demex. And I understand that at your previous role, you were more customer facing. Now, that's one aspect of what's different between the two jobs. Does that relate to what you like most about your current job or how you conceptualize what's valuable about a job or Give us some more insight into that department. Yes, so I, um, I, I, at my previous role, um, I was I was actually, I was actually hired to, uh, you know, kind of be um, more of a technical advisor and, and science advisor, um, you know, for our customers. So it was, it was a customer facing role, but it, you know, at least initially required me to do a lot of analysis and programming um, and kind of science communication. Um, over time, it evolved a little bit away from the technical and analytical, you know, kind of set of responsibilities that I was originally, you know, hired um, to, to cover for the company. Um, and I felt like I wanted to kind of get more back toward the uh, the technical and analytical work that I had that I had been doing, um, and you know, had kind of kind of trained to do really um, as as a student in in meteorology, um, and it just was something that for me, it, it was something that I had a lot of interest in. So, kind of wanted to realign my role, um, and uh, you know, this uh, kind of search for for a new position um, that this this lasted over over several months um, and you know I ended up I think kind of kind of getting lucky with uh, you know with this role that opened up at Demex um, it aligned well with with my timeline for you know searching for a new job um, and I knew uh, a few people that worked at Demex as well. So that, that helped. Um, and, you know, moving into this kind of more technical kind of code and data focused role um, has been very fulfilling uh, for me. And it has gotten me to realign with what I have interest in, in pursuing, um, you know, through my career. So it, uh, it does feel like it was a good move. Well, congratulations on that, and great that you were able to recognize what you were looking for and and then to meet that goal. Yeah, thank you. And and it sounds like you're still able to use science communication when you're you know yes. talking to customers. So you, you know, yeah. I know you do a lot of coding, but you have that piece as well. And I wanted to ask you. So coding sounds like it's very focused. Now, do you listen to music while you code? Do you, or does does that Keep your focus away from what you're doing. How, how do you how do you do that on a day to day basis? Is is there anything that you you do to, that that makes it more interesting or calmer for you when you're doing that? Yeah, I definitely listen to music while I code. Uh, it really for for me it really depends on you know the 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 specific task that I'm working on. But um, yeah, I, I I have found that um, in certain situations it, it really kind of helps me. To focus and really become razor focused on on what I'm doing, depending on um, you know what I'm listening to. 
Yeah, I, I, I can just imagine that if I was doing that, I, I, I may listen to music as well. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so on the flip side, like, what are the biggest challenges that you face in, in your field now? Like, what is challenging about your position? Uh, well, I am, I am eight weeks into my new role. Um, so it basically for the past eight weeks has been like drinking from a fire hose, um, <laughs> you know, just learning, you know, uh, l- learning about our company's code base, um, you know, learning about all the, 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 the things that I'm, you know, now responsible for, um, and we're a small company. Demex is also a startup. So, you know, we only have about 20 full-time employees. We are all doing multiple things every single day, wearing multiple hats. Um, you know, uh, I, I definitely am not always, um, you know, doing things that you might consider, you know, a, a data engineer to be responsible for, um, but it makes, it makes the job really interesting. I think that's that's just a, a big challenge, you know, of working for a small company is just being able to kind of manage all of the things that you have to do on a daily basis and prioritize. Um, communication again is is critical <laughs> when it comes to working for for any organization really, but but for a small organization in particular, um, you know, uh, and and we're spread out over multiple um, over multiple kind of locations. So, you know, DC is our is our headquarters, but we have an office in New York City. We have another office in Raleigh. Oh wow. Um, and we have we have some um, employees also working hundred percent remote. So um, you know that that kind of makes it a little bit challenging too. I um, mean this is this is just the way that you know, the modern workforce, I think, is structured, you know, we're just kind of distributed, we'll probably become even more distributed um, as, as the company grows. Uh, and, um, you know, I think ultimately, you know, that's just a challenge that everyone's going to have to face at some point. So, yeah, th- those are some of the big challenges I think that I face on a day-to-day basis. Thanks for sharing. So, we know that Science is always evolving, and we know that technology is always evolving in terms of the programs you're using for your your coding and your data analysis. So what professional development opportunities do you pursue to keep current uh, in the world and in your field? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I have been a member of the American Meteorological Society since 2009, I think. Um, And I've been uh, very active in committees, you know, so uh, I was an energy committee uh, member and chair. Um, I was a member of the the board on global strategies, um, the board on enterprise economic development, I'm currently a member of and I am a, an observer of the um, financial weather uh, committee. I can't, I can never remember the full, the full title of that, of that committee, but, uh, um, and, you know, just being involved in those committees um, is, I think, you know, absolutely, uh, has absolutely benefited me, you know, um, from a professional development standpoint. Also, 
you know, I've participated in a number of conferences, um, AMS conferences and the AMS Washington Forum. Um, so just, you know, having the opportunity to participate in, in those, um, you know, the, those, those conferences, those, those venues has been very beneficial as well. Networking has helped a lot, um, you know, and, and taking the opportunity to network through those committees and, and um, conferences. Um, now, one thing I think that I would like to get better at is, um, you know, kind of expanding beyond AMS, um, you know, and, and I think that that is really, uh, that, that would really benefit me, um, you know, as somebody who works at a company where not everyone is a meteorologist, um, who, where, you know, where people kind of come in for, with different backgrounds. So, you know, finding, you know, other professional organizations to, um, you know, to join or, you know, meetups um, with, with, you know, people outside of, of um, you know, the weather industry. Um, and it's so easy to do these days, um, even virtually. Um, I think that that's something that, you know, I, I would like to, you know, I think get a little better at, at doing and probably something that I would recommend to, to students who are um, looking to uh, pursue a career um, in meteorology and especially in, in the private sector. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that question. Um, you know, you gave us a little bit of insight and some advice for students who might want to get into like energy and commodities. But um, when it comes to specifically doing like data analysis, what advice do you have for students either, you know, while they're in school, specific courses that they should take or um, maybe um, internships at specific organizations? Um, could you give us some advice? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I think taking statistics courses, you know, uh, linear algebra, you know, that definitely helps in our field. There are opportunities for you to, to go as deep or as shallow as you'd like, you know, in machine learning, um, in uh, data science. Um, you know, there are, again, are some free resources online that, that um, could certainly get people started down those paths, you know, uh, if there are opportunities to take a machine learning or, you know, data science course at, um, at whatever, at whatever school, um, someone might be attending, um, I would suggest, you know, for, for, for that, that individual to look into, uh, you know, doing that if they have interest in, you know, a career that is more analytical in nature, um, you know, machine learning, data science. I mean, those uh, may sound like kind of buzzwords or buzz terms, <laughs> but um, having skills in those areas, um, I think, makes people very marketable. And and um, you know, those are those are highly sought after skills in the weather industry and beyond too. So I think another piece of, of unsolicited advice would be, you know, if you have interest in you know, a career in, in data analysis, data science, machine learning, pause for a minute and, and ask yourself if, you know, you are okay with, you know, pursuing a career outside of meteorology or if the meteorological focus is really um, important to you. 
Um, for me, um, I'm at a point in my career where, you know, focusing on weather and climate is very important for me. But, you know, maybe 10 years from now, I will feel differently. I'll think, you know, maybe maybe I can pursue something outside of, um, you know, the weather industry. So uh, just having those skills, um, I think, makes you a bit more flexible in terms of the various options that you have in front of you. Yeah, it definitely opens a lot more doors, having those skills. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much, Larry. We'll uh, check back in 10 years from now and have a look back and <laughs> <laughs> see, see where we're at at that Absolutely. point. Yeah. <laughs> we're so grateful um, for everything you've told us about your career, your bits of unsolicited advice, which I'll say we maybe secretly solicited out of you. And um, <laughs> however, before you go, we want to take a look at the person behind the meteorologist and ask you an off-topic question. So I've heard you're a fan of music and uh, you might have a mm -hmm. favorite musical group if you could tell us about it. Yeah, so I right now am very into a musician uh, who goes by Roosevelt. So hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, more kind of... Uh, like indie kind of electronic synth pop. It's uh, very kind of upbeat, um, you know, kind of has it, he has a very kind of unique sound. Um, but that, yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I, my music interests I think are pretty, are pretty eclectic, but, um, but that is, you know, who I am very interested in right now. <laughs> and is it good coding music? I was going to say, do you have a Roosevelt playlist for your coding? <laughs> yeah, so I, I I do listen to Roosevelt a lot while coding. Yes, um, again, it just kind of I think the 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 tempo and you know kind of the upbeat nature of uh, his music is just um, it, it it helps me to focus while I'm writing code. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to look. I'll have to look that up on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Larry, and sharing your work experiences with us. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been great to join, um, and I I thank you for reaching out to me to uh, you know to 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 allow me to do this. Well, that's our show for today. Please join us next time. Rain or shine. Clear Skies Ahead, Conversations About Careers in Meteorology and Beyond is a podcast by the American Meteorological Society. Our show is produced by Brandon Kroos and edited by Peter Trepke. Our theme music is composed and performed by Steve Savoy, and the show is hosted by Rex Horner and Kelly Savoy. You can learn more about the show online at www.ametsoc.org slash clear skies and can contact us at skypodcast at ametsoc.org if you have any feedback or if you would like to become a future guest. Music